0: maybe seated. You know, um, I, I've probably done this to, to many of you before, but I'll often ask questions to, to get uh, at a deeper answer. Um, you know, oftentimes we, we've all heard that thing when somebody asks, well, how you doing? And, and our typical response is what? You know, it's fine, right? Good. You know, you don't get much, much feedback or reaction. So, so one of the things that I've tried to do is i try to ask some question like, like, how's your spirit? Or how's your heart? What's the greatest blessing in your life right now? Or wait wait a second, what's, what's the greatest thing that's weighing on you right now? And what those questions do is they get to that, that deeper answer. And so today, I, I was thinking about the, the prayer and, and how do you ask somebody how, how they're doing in terms of prayer, and, and the first question I came up with was, was well, how's your prayer life? And on a surface level, it kinda seems like it's a pretty, pretty decent question. But I think we still get those answers of well, good, fine, well, it could be better. So how about this question? How would you describe your life of prayer? How would you describe your life of prayer? And maybe, maybe it's not the perfect question, and, and if you have something better that gets a little bit deeper to to that answer, please feel free to pass it along. But how would you describe your life of prayer? And, and, and so last week, for example, we, we, we talked about Thanksgiving. We talked about having a thankful heart. What Jesus is doing today is he's, he's also offering us a little bit deeper insight on this whole thing called prayer and what, what that should mean for our lives. And he begins in our text today uh, in verse 1 in this parable. He said, then Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray always and to not lose heart. So right off the bat, there are two things that we need to pay attention to, and the first is our need to pray. It's not just something that we can opt in or opt out, but there is a desire, there's a connection that we need as followers of Jesus Christ to, to connect with our Heavenly Father. There, there is a desire, and sometimes that need, well, that gets neglected. And oftentimes for far too long. So that's the first part. The second thing that we see here is that we are not to lose heart. So there's something that happens when in our need to pray and need to lift up what's on our heart. But there's sometimes that, that we might need a bit of encouragement or, or uplifting as we do it. So those are the first two things that, that we see in our text for today. 1 uh, Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17 simply puts it this way. It says, pray without ceasing. Constantly do it. Make it a, a part of your life. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2 says, devote yourselves to prayer, keep alert, and in it with thanksgiving. And the word that's translated as devote here is translated as remain constant. Let it be something that you're doing that's involved in your life that's a part of your life not just something that you draw in every now and then when you need it but but that's a heart of who you are and what you do but how often in terms of life is prayer kind of this second thought rather than the first thought or 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 maybe you are treating prayer like a safety net we're thinking oh boy i'm in trouble i better lift this up to god real quick and and just to make sure he's on the same side as me so i better start start praying start that that train going again and maybe it's simply become a routine or rote or, or maybe even chore that we look at it as something that we have to do rather than something that we get to do. Prayer is a constant, consistent part of our daily lives. And, and when we say we need it, it's a lot like water. And I know sometimes some of you go throughout the day, you don't drink any water, but why is it that night that all of a sudden we become camels and we're just drinking water like crazy, like at two and at three and at four, but, but that should be a part of our lives. Just as we need water to sustain and nourish us, that life of prayer, well, it also does that same thing. It sustains and nourishes our soul. Yet sadly, many of us are just skimming the surface. We're not realizing the, the, the fullness that Jesus is inviting us to each and every day the, the, that lies just below the surface. Some of us are just staying at the surface level when, when God is inviting us to a deeper, more meaningful relationship with him in terms of prayer. And sadly, our schedules, the demands of life, those things often capitalize our time. Sometimes it's that constant buzz, that noise in our head that, that's all distracting of, oh, well, I better, get, I got to do this, I got to get this done, I got to be here. And that buzz also separates us from spending that much needed time with God. You see, see, Jesus throughout the New Testament, what he would do is he would often go off to a distant place by himself to spend time in prayer. He realized that, that he needed it not only for his own spirit, but he needed it because if he was going to care for the spirits of other people and their spiritual welfare, that he'd also need to be in a healthy place. And when it comes to prayer, how are you investing in yourself right now so you can be a greater blessing to those that God has placed in your care? That you may have a greater blessing and impact on the conversations that happen on a daily basis. How are we doing in carving out that time with God in spite of the noise, the distractions, and the demands of life? Because those things need that focused attention. And while this is a wonderful segue to the second part of that verse about not to lose heart, what I want to do is I want to dig into our text just a little bit today where Jesus is, begins by introducing two characters. And the first person we run into is a judge who we read neither feared God nor respected people. Let's just say this wasn't a people person, okay? There's not only a spiritual disconnect, there's also a personal and relational disconnect. He didn't care for anyone, especially this this woman, this widow, who she had no means to, to, to get what she needed. She was poor, disadvantaged, she was defenseless, and the only thing that she had as a weapon at her disposal was her voice. The spiritual gift of persistence. And notice I didn't say the spiritual gift of nagging. That's not a spiritual gift, so please don't elbow your spouse when I said persistence. Yes, see? Reading in our text. In that city, there was a widow who kept coming to him and saying, Grant me justice against my opponent. Day in and day out, in her desperation, she would cry out in a loud voice, Grant me justice. And can't you just... picture this. I mean, she's meeting, maybe she goes to the judge's favorite coffee shop, and she's sitting there, and they get their coffee, and she's like, grant me justice. Or maybe he goes to a movie or something like that, and she sits behind him, and, and just when it gets to a good part, eating some popcorn, she's like, grant me justice. Or maybe, maybe what she does is at the kid's tennis match, when it's all quiet, she's the only person in the stand standing up and yelling, grant me justice, grant me justice. Yeah, it's kind of like that relentless paper boy uh, in uh, Better Off Dead. Any of you remember that movie, Johnny, where he was owed how much? $2. And throughout the movie, there was that, that theme of, I want my $2. I want my $2. That is this lady. And maybe you can identify a little bit with the woman in our texture today. Maybe you've also been uplifting your pleas and your prayers to God, and and it seems that you're doing that day in and day out, but there seems to be no answer. And and you can not only imagine the frustration that this woman is feeling, maybe maybe you have found yourself dealing with the same sense of frustration. Your petition has been the last thing on your mind when your head hits the pillow, and it's the first thing to say good morning when you wake up. That has met you where you are. And if you find yourself in in that season where you're you're feeling like that prayer isn't being answered, I want you to, to think about Psalm 42. And some of you, this is a real psalm for you this morning. It says, My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me continually, Where is your God? And maybe you started asking that question for yourself. Well, where where is God? I I mean, I'm expressing my need. I'm lifting up my petition time and time again. It seems like nothing is changing, nothing is moving. Yet listen to this word of hope that the psalmist continues with. He said, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise my help and my God. In fact, if you find yourself in a season of discouragement right now, if you're feeling the weight of the world on your shoulders and, and that prayer that you've been uplifting and doesn't seem to be answered and, and you're identifying with that, yeah, my tears have been my food lately, I want you to read the entirety of Psalm 42. Read the entirety of Psalm 42 and let it speak into your heart and into your situation. But there's something I want you to notice here uh, about the phrase that the judge uses in this text to describe the widow in the second part of verse five. He, he says, "He says, yet, yeah, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice so that she may not wear me out." And a more accurate translation of this word is, and it might be in the footnotes of your Bible, that she doesn't give me a black eye or that she doesn't beat me black and blue by her relentless pounding, okay? Have you ever been so tired and worn out by someone that it just feels like you've been in a boxing match? It feels like you've just gotten hit by a bus because they have burdened you and they've strained you so much that that you're worn down? That's what this lady was doing. She was relentless. And and the more the judge said, dismiss her, go go away, the more persistent that she became to the point of wearing him down. In fact, I would imagine that, that we've done that to our parents quite a few times over the years. I could pick on our kids, right? But we sometimes forget that we also did that to our parents, where we wore them down so much that all of a sudden they were like, fine, do what you want to do. And there's some people that actually leverage that tactic to get what they want, that they see that their parents worn down, and they take this opportunity to try to get what they want. And some of you parents are like, yeah, been there, done that. Some of you kids are like, been there, done that. I'm trying to do that after worship, but that's okay. But he felt so burdened. He felt so worn down by her persistence that the judge finally answered the widow's petition. Verse 6, and the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cried at him all day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. Now, the reason that so many people have trouble with this passage of Scripture, this text, is oftentimes there's a misinterpretation of what's being said here. It's often as if Jesus is equating us to, to this widow who just keeps nagging and pestering God. And, and God, that, the, the idea that if we wear down God enough, that, that we'll actually get what we want, right? That's, that's the misinterpretation of this text. The, the, that's not what's being shared here or how the parable should be interpreted. You see, it's not a parable of comparison. This is the judge, and so this is God. It's actually a parable of contrast, setting one thing, the judge, against God, the other thing. What Jesus is saying here is he's saying, if an unjust and an unfit and an uncaring and an ungodly judge finally grants justice to this widow in the end, imagine how much more a loving, heavenly, just God will do for you. who who not only delights in hearing from you, who loves to hear from your children, who delights in doing good and invites us to storm the gates of heaven. Imagine what God would do for you if this person actually did the right thing eventually. But God wants to give you more. He wants to heap blessing after blessing into your life. See, it's a similar concept that we find in Matthew chapter 7, verse 9 and following, where Jesus says this, he says, Is there any among you who, if your child asks for bread, will give a stone, or if a child asks for a fish, will give a snake? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, right, key word, more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? If this is true about this person, then what does that mean about God? How much more will God come to the aid of those who love Him, who cry to Him day in and day out? And for a visual, what I want to do is I want to see, have you see what what this this uh, this contrast looks like here? Right, the the widow was was approaching uh, an unjust, uncaring, uh, cold judge, right? While we approach a loving and just heavenly Father. Uh, the widow went to a, a court of law, and, and while we approach, what, a throne of grace. And, and if you're looking for a text that kind of summarizes this, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 says, let us therefore approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need, which transfers us to the last piece where the widow finally got justice while we received, what, grace and mercy. You see, here's the deal. The enemy wants us to think that God is not for us. That, that we're wasting God's time, that God has, has better things to do, that, or maybe that God's not paying attention or doesn't care what's going on in your life. Yet that can't be further from the truth. God longs to listen to you. God longs to heal. God longs to restore. And God longs to be with you in your journey of faith. So picking up at verse 7. And once again, and, not, and will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. And I want to stop there on that word for a moment because I would imagine some of you here this morning are thinking, quickly? God's definition of quickly is, seems a little bit different than my definition of quickly. I've been praying, I've been praying, there's still no change, there's still no answer. And, and I'm even wondering, Lord, are, are you going to answer me? I mean, are you, are you working with me on this stuff? Or is, it feels like I'm kind of doing this on my own. So, so where are you? And it's in the midst of this frustration that we might be tempted to turn and throw in the towel. I am tired of this thing called faith. I am tired of putting my trust in prayer. I'm tired of putting my trust in God. And I'm tired of waiting. I'm tired of hoping. I've given up my concerns. I've given up my fears, my worries. Yet there seems to be no answer. Or at least none that we can look for. And that's why the warning and the question in the second part of verse 8 is is a critical concern here. Uh, Jesus says, And yet when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? As if to say, Will there come a day when the people of God lose heart? Will there come a day when my children who are to call upon my name simply throw in the towel and give up on this thing called faith. In fact, there's something else I want you to notice about the widow that's important for our text for today. And I want you to notice that she didn't go and pursue something else. She didn't go and try to get that void filled somewhere else. She didn't take matters into her own hands, but instead she went to the judge every moment that she could in faith, right? She went to the judge in faith, trusting that he could change that circumstance. And maybe you've stopped going to God with what's weighing on you right now. Maybe you started to rely on, on other things to fill that void, to, to help you cope, to calm or to ease your mind. Uh, keep bringing that petition before God. Keep finding your strength. Keep placing that concern and trust in him. And acknowledge that he is the only one that can turn things around. He is the only one that can win that battle that you're facing no matter what battle that may be. Place your trust and your hope and your confidence in him. And remember that our hope does not rest in our circumstances, though our circumstances are going to want to tell us and convince us otherwise, but they rest in who loves us and who seeks to bless us. And if you're tired today, I want you to hold on to those two statements of verse 1. pray always, do not lose heart, do not neglect that need to spend time with your Heavenly Father. You see, here's the deal, church. When it comes to prayer, we're so quick to give up we're, we're so so used to kind of just getting what we want whenever we want it. So whenever we get any kind of silence or, or we got to pause for a moment, it seems like that nothing is happening. So what we do is we simply move on. We think to ourselves, you know what, Lord, I prayed to you at 1153 a.m. this morning. It is now 1157 a.m. this morning, and I still haven't received a response and reply to my prayer. So I guess I'm all alone today, right? That, that's the mentality that many of us have. I, I've done this, I haven't seen anything working, so I'm just gonna take this whole thing in my own hands. But what if the prayers that we truly need are, are just underneath the surface? What, what if that time of waiting or that time of unanswered prayers is intended to make us think a little bit more deeply or broadly about what we're requesting? What if that, that time of waiting is meant to align our hearts and our lives to God's will for us? And what if there's something deeper or greater to learn see perhaps god is using that season of waiting to do a work in our hearts maybe he wants us to grow in a specific way to maturity or as an opportunity to to have our hearts and our minds our attitudes reshaped because sometimes church even christians get out of alignment and though we think that we're pursuing god sometimes it's it's a little shift that can get us off track So maybe what God is doing in that season of waiting says, hey, time out. Let's take a step back. Let's hit the reset button. And let's move forward together. Because sometimes we kind of leave God on the back burner. Sometimes we just simply want to do things on our own. We step out in life and say, okay, Lord, follow me. And that's not the way to do it, church. It's about us following Jesus in all aspects of life. And how often our plans have fallen short in half fact, how many times have we found that God has something better in store for us that that we're not even praying for, but we simply had to wait? You know, Ephesians chapter three, verse fourteen and following, uh, is Paul uh, captures Paul's prayer for his reader. Yet, yeah, there's something so cool about verse twenty, and, and I want you to, to notice this. And he begins now to him who is who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish. Listen to those three words, abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. See, what this tells me is that God has something better in store for us. Even beyond anything that we can ask or imagine, he is able to do abundantly far more than we can ever anticipate. It's sadly, some of us quit praying even before we even start praying. We think to ourselves, oh, you got it, Lord, or, or you know what's on my heart. You know, I already prayed about this. I don't need to do that again. And if that's where you are today, what would it mean for you to listen to this word of challenge and invitation? To pray always, to not lose heart. To see persistence in prayer, not as this lack of faith that you're asking God again and again and again, but a testimony of faith and our ultimate trust in our good and loving and just and gracious Heavenly Father who only can supply our needs. Anybody remember that old song? It goes, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer, right? Not my mother, not my brother, but it's me, oh Lord, right? Anybody remember that one? Yeah, we got, we got one. Anyway, it's a cool song. And what's cool about it is you can like put anything in there. Like, not my gerbil, not my hamster, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Anyway, I used to do that all the time. But you know what? We stand in the need of prayer, we stand in the need of prayer. Church, keep approaching the throne of grace. In the words of saints Dylan, Clapton, and Rose, we're called to knock, knock, knock on heaven's door. Hey, 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 knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. That's what we're called to do. And are we doing that on a daily basis? Or are we just sitting idly by, resting on our hands? we're supposed to be knocking on heaven's door. In fact, prior to the reading from Matthew chapter 7 verse 9, Jesus shares this verse in verse 7. He says, "Ask and it will be given you, search and you will find, knock and the door will be open to you." For everyone who asks receives, everyone who searches finds, everyone who knocks the door will be open. And and I want you to notice that each of these verbs that are used here, ask, seek, and knock, is more like ask and keep asking, search and keep searching, knock and keep knocking. It's not a passive thing. It is an active prayer life that actively pursues a relationship with Jesus. In fact, I'm sure by now you've all heard that acronym for the word push when it comes to pray, right? It says pray until something happens. Keep knocking, keep searching, keep asking. And the question is, would that describe your prayer life right now? Are you intentional about your prayer life with Jesus Christ? You're intentional about having that as a daily part of your life, a consistent part of your life. Now, now with that said, right, persistent prayer doesn't mean that we're automatically gonna get whatever we want when we want it. As St. McJagger once said, you can't always get what you want but you try sometimes, you just might find you get what you need, right? You get what you need. Because here's the deal. Even in those times when the answer to that prayer is no, and I know that some of you have received a no in terms of a prayer for yourself or for a loved one, in terms of health, financially, whatever that might be, God has already answered that prayer even when it's a no. He says this in Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. He said, for in him, Jesus... Every one of God's promises is a yes. For this reason is that through him that we may say the amen, which means yes, to the glory of God. You see, it's through the suffering and death and resurrection of Jesus that we have received new life. And church, this is why Jesus can say, God can say that God is quick to answer in his timing because he has already answered all of our prayers in the hope and the assurance that we have received in Jesus, even when the answer is a not yet and we're in a season of waiting or even when the answer is no. And if you think about it, right, Jesus fervently prayed in the garden he went to the lord and he prayed lord let this cup of suffering be removed from me right he not only did it once he did it did it twice but the answer was no and each time he said yet not my will but yours be done and it's through that no it's through the suffering and death and resurrection of jesus that jesus gave life to the world see prayer is not a sometimes Prayer is a way of life, and if you leave with anything today, is that you are called and invited to challenged to lift up prayer anywhere, anytime, spending time with God. In fact, let me ask you, how do these words of Jesus about the need to pray speak to your life? How, how do these words of Jesus about don't lose heart, don't give up, speak to your prayer life right now? In fact, for your homework, what I want you to do this week is: throughout Scripture, we see persistence in prayer. We see we see uh, Jacob, right? He's persistent. He wrestles with God until morning. He's until until God would bless him. Uh, we see Moses interceding for the people forty days, forty nights, uh, and, and then. But there's no greater example of persistent faith than the Canaanite woman in Matthew chapter fifteen, verse twenty-one through twenty-eight. Who comes goes to Jesus and cries out. And, and it seems that Jesus is ignoring her and denies her, not once, not twice, but three times. But in him, his, her persistence, notice what Jesus says about her faith. In fact, I want you to read that passage of Scripture, Matthew 15, 21 through 28. Notice the woman's responses in verse 22, 25, 27, and Jesus' response to her about her response in verse 28. And what does it teach us about persistent prayer? And for those of you out there who find yourself in a season of waiting and you are struggling right now, you're, you're trying to find uh, where God is leading you and what's going on in your life, I, I just lift up those, those few verses that you see about waiting. Uh, but also for those of you that have received a note and you are having a hard time with this faith thing, you're having a hard time kind of navigating this and, and that seed of doubt is creeping in, I, I pray that you would pray the prayer that that a father prayed for his son in Mark chapter 9, verse 24. You can read from verse 14 on, but focus on the prayer of that man, Mark 9, verse 24. So I guess what we're challenged to do today is to reflect on our prayer life. So let me ask you, how is your life of prayer? Or better yet, where do you want it to be? Ushers, we're blessed to have you wait upon us for our tithes, our gifts, and our offerings.